The following program is underwritten in part by World's Best Cat Litter. You love your cat, but you don't love the litter box mess. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter and get a cleaner litter box with less hassle and less litter. Find it at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. You know, for me, it's a it's a cat and a dog. Those are my pets. For you, they might be also a cat or a dog or a fish or a bird. Or a ferret. A horse. Mm-hmm. You know, ferrets yeah. aren't legal in California. So no, but we, this goes all around the country. Of so course. A lot of people have ferrets. I would have a ferret if it was legal. Yeah. They're very cute. Uh, for some people, it's alligators. <laughs> that's that's their pet. They have a pet alligator. And we reported several weeks back about a young lady in Florida who has a, an alligator who she actually dresses up. And I believe it, it's a performing alligator. <laughs> And uh, the yes, story. I think she fought the law. Yes. I mean, didn't she fight for a long time to save him? It was a long case. Yeah, and you reported that she did indeed save him. And so we figured we should get her on the phone. She'll be on with us in just a few minutes, and we'll find out what it's like to have a pet alligator, which I uh, gotta figure <laughs> finding a veterinarian that takes care of alligators is yeah, that's be gotta be tough, tough call. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that's on the way right here on Animal Radio. We're also going to take your calls in just a couple of minutes for Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani. Joey, what are you working on today? Oh, we're going to talk a little bit about if your pet has bad breath. Um, maybe looking in their mouth and um, and looking at their teeth may solve that problem. <laughs> I think there's a burger in there that I fed you two weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the cat's hairball. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's more like Yuck. it. Yeah. Okay, so that's on the way with Joey Volani in just a few minutes. The dog father. They want to talk to him toll free at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. 405 Lori Brooks in the Animal Radio newsroom along with who's in there today? Uh Gordy? there's Gordy who's yeah, Gordy who's snoring, licking his paw and well alter- alternating between snoring, licking his paw and heavily chewing on a bone. So whatever <laughs> you hear, it's likely coming from my studio. Okay, and most likely from from Gordy. Uh, from Gordy today, yeah. News-wise, what are you working on? Um oh gosh, you know that leaked video oh. of a dog's purpose, you know, with Hercules the dog being thrown into that pool of water. Yeah. Um so we're wondering you know hey you know we thought those were ancient days when animals uh, weren't treated well on movie sets and tv sets but apparently not so we're going to tell you we looked into it to find out exactly you know how do movies get to say no animals were harmed in the making of this movie how do they get to claim that when obviously there are animals that are you know not doing too well in them okay that makes sense? Yeah, that does. Yep. I'm looking forward to find out more about that. That's on the way at the bottom of the hour right here. Uh, let's go to the phones. And which one are we going to? Line four? Yes. No, I want to go to line three. Okay, I just I think line four has been actually ringing. Okay. I think it was actually ringing last week, and we never picked it up. <laughs> okay, go to four. I don't think it ever stopped. <laughs> Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Don't forget, you can also ask questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Uh, go to Sherry for Dr. Debbie. Hi, Sherry. Hi, how are you today? Good, what's up? Good, hey, just digging out of the snow. <laughs> oh, it's snowing. Where are you? Uh, up in Oregon, got about 16 feet of snow. Holy <laughs> moly. Feet? Not inches. <laughs> yes. Holy wow. Yes. Okay, well, hopefully you're staying warm. How can we help you? 
Well, you know, I have two little chihuahuas, and I would say they're both slightly overweight, not extremely, but slightly, and one of them just gnaws up a storm. <laughs> <laughs> and is this snoring, is it only when uh, the baby's sleeping, or do you no- notice it at yes. other times, just yes. breathing? Yes. Okay. No, just when and- she's sleeping, and it's, it means she's little, and it's quite loud. <laughs> oh. so, do you ever notice her waking up? In, in the night, if she's snoring, does she ever kind of wake up uh, like a person does with uh, sleep apnea? No, no, uh-uh, she doesn't. She's in a pretty deep sleep. I could probably just move her little arms and legs and let them drop, and she doesn't even know we're there. <laughs> well, when we talk about snoring in dogs, it's we, we describe it in the veterinary world kind of either as a snore or as stertor, um, S-T-E-R-T-O-R. And it's basically the sound that we hear when a dog is breathing in and there's something that's actually causing a vibration or even... Um, obstructing the airway in some capacity. So that might be soft mm-hmm. tissue, it could be fluid. So it isn't necessarily something that I would say is a normal thing. It's usually an indication that there's something um, obstructing that area. And that's why I ask about the sleep apnea, because dogs can suffer okay. from that. And we see this commonly in breeds like the English Bulldog, um, or even the King Charles, where they can have an actually an ob- airway um, obstructive yeah. problem. Um, where they can uh-huh. actually have trouble getting air, they cannot tolerate maybe high temperatures or exercise, heat, and sometimes even sleeping issues where they can't sleep. Um, so well, when she num- gets really excited, she um, she chokes. Oh, okay. Well, there could be some other things going on. The number one thing that I think of when I hear of a dog snoring, uh, you mentioned one thing, was being chubby. Because <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. we can see definitely more fat deposition um, kind of in the, the pet's um, body that can affect their breathing. And that might be that they have a limited lung capacity or even some fat up in the, the pharyngeal area. So that could be a possibility that could be relating to it. But in many dogs, um, this kind of snoring can be a, a problem with a soft palate. But, you know, if you've admitted your pet has a weight problem, number one would be try to trim this baby down because that may um, translate into better breathing, which, um, again, mm-hmm. it's not normal. So we may actually have some added stress to her respiratory capacity. So that's something to think about. And if she does have a coughing, gagging type thing, um, you know, I would encourage you to have that checked with your veterinarian because these guys oftentimes can have a whole host of things, small little tiny tracheas, sometimes what we call a collapsing trachea, which is um, kind of a, uh, it's an aspect of the the airway that in many dogs becomes weakened. So there's a little bit of like a Mm -hmm. soft tissue or skin, if you will, on part of the trachea. It's not all cartilage. And that area can get a little weak and kind of kind of get sucked into the airway with time, you know, it really might be something to have your vet look at and decide if, if it's something that we need to address or not. Well, she's going to be going in uh, next month and getting her teeth cleaned, so she's going to be under. So I, I will have them do a really, I'll, I'll talk to them about it and do a really good yes. exam and see if we've got more going on. I appreciate that. Yeah, that would be perfect. And actually, I, my, my first request would be, yeah, make sure that chest and everything looks good and they know what they're getting into um, respiratory-wise, right. but that would be ideal to take a look at things while they're doing the dental. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you for All your right. call, Sherry. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Now, you mentioned sleep apnea. Uh-huh. <laughs> can, can animals really have sleep apnea? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, they can. Do they have to wear uh, a little CPAP machine? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm not aware of one of those that's actually of use. But, um, you know, when you look at some of the English Bulldogs in particular, I know we talked about this before, that, you know, they're a breed that's quite transformed from what a standard dog looks like. So their nasal area, um, their upper pharyngeal area, kind of the back of the throat, all of that can have some dynamic changes that make it hard to get easy breathing. So the air doesn't just... Uh, flow through unimpeded. So it actually kind of can get blocked off from a, a long, soft palate, which means that they may wake themselves up when they're sleeping, um, just like a person who's trying to catch their breath. Um, so, yeah, it can happen. And it's not usually something that's just real obvious, a single thing. But when we look at the history that one of these animals might have, there's a lot of different things that kind of all fit together um, that we can suppose that that may be happening. Mm. But I, I'm not really aware of sleep studies in dogs so much as um, you know, we look at all those other things. Lori, you have some snorers, don't you? Oh, you can't hear him? (laughs) (laughs) But you like it, don't you? No, I just got that dirty. You're talking about me, Mom, look? Yeah, (laughs) they snore all the time. Okay, let's head to the phones. Toll free for your calls, 1-866-405-8405. And this one's for Dr. Debbie, right, Judy? Okay. Greg. Hey, Greg, how you doing? (laughs) Hi, I'm very well. How are you today? Very good. good. Greg, I heard some yapping, but I thought your voice changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my little trucking buddy here. He's uh, a little over three years old, been in the truck with me ever since he was pocket size. Wow. He's not much Aww. bigger than that now. Aww. What kind of dog? I have a little uh, chihuahua and uh, was born tailless, actually. His mother was tailless. Interesting. Oh, so he's got a little yeah. something. I, I love tailless pets. I, I've had several of them. So. Are most of your pets at home tailless? <laughs> I've had a cat that had a tail. Well, it's artificially, you know, had to amputate one of the cat's tails, one of the dog's yeah. tails. You know, they just kind of keep, we chop body parts off our pets all the time. <laughs> but what not can really. I do for you? Well, I, yeah, I'm not going to chop your uh, pet's body parts off, but um, what can I do for you here today? Well, my question um my little friend here has a girlfriend at home that's about 14 and a half months old. Okay. And she just recently came through her second uh, cycle. And okay. I don't know whether they were active really or not, never caught them at anything, but we didn't really try to separate them. She's okay. also a chihuahua. And okay. I, I'm hoping that she's not too young, um, you know, that that wouldn't have been a problem if she if she does turn out pregnant before. How would we know? When would we start seeing any symptoms or any signs or anything? Okay. Um, first question, is she too young? No. Generally, we do prefer a dog to be bred on their second cycle. Um, we okay. just hate for them to get pregnant around that six-month mark. It's kind of like a teenage pregnancy. So um, so you're okay there. Now, as far as pregnancy-wise, duration, dogs are pregnant for about 63, 64 days. You know, significant physical changes you may not know for a full month or so. And the trick is that dogs can also have false pregnancies. So that can also look like they're pregnant and even produce milk. So um, some of these physical changes, they're not foolproof. But, you know, we would be watching for weight gain. Um, an increased appetite usually kicks in about a month into a pregnancy. Um, and then it's a couple weeks later that we actually will start to see things like milk production. Um, but some of the behaviors like nesting, where a dog will kind of build little beds or, you know, try to find a little comfy spot to sleep for the pups, 
that can also happen with a false pregnancy. So sometimes um, we have been fooled, both veterinarians and people alike uh, that have pets. So one of the things I might suggest is to actually have your baby taken to the veterinarian um, about three to four weeks after possible breeding time, and they can do an ultrasound and look to see to diagnose pregnancy. And that'll help kind of put a timeline on things as well, because we can age the pups based on the size of the puppy's skull. Um, and that will help you in preparing for, you know, when um, we might be having some babies delivered. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, and next hour, we're going to find out about this pet alligator in Florida that gets all dressed up and clothes and and why. So you want to stick around for that. This hour, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to a guy who works for Cracked, uh, Cracked.com, which I believe was, you know, uh, an offshoot of Cracked Magazine and, and Mad Magazine. And uh, he's done a lot of research. Nature is the Worst is his latest book, Nature is the Worst. And he talks about just how dangerous going outdoors can be for you. It'll be one of those books that you'll never want to go outdoors again. Uh-oh. What are you working on for this hour, Lori? There is a cat who has a degree, higher education. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> Pretty amazing, really. Is he running for president? No. we. He got his degree to prove a point, and uh, not only that he's smart, but uh, something else, and we'll share that with you. Okay, let's hit the phones first for Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani. Let's see. Uh, let's go to Rick. Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> where, are you, where are you today? I'm in Kentucky right now. I'm a truck driver, and and um, I'm on my way to North Carolina. Do you travel with your pet? Oh yes, yeah. He's he's here. I I just stopped for the day, so he's he's looking around trying to see people in the truck stop. He'll ah. probably bark here in a minute when somebody gets close. <laughs> is he is he okay? Is he healthy? Is there something wrong? I'm. Kind of yeah, well, he he is he's really is healthy, but I, I, we're having some problems with his ears. Um, just occasionally, I guess cockers are. Have oh ear yes, <laughs> well known. It's like the sticker that they don't advertise on that sticker when you buy the cockers. <laughs> you get them ear problems. So, what do you have going on with the ears? Well, um, I it, it's sort of a, a chronic condition that um, you know it, it he'll shake his head and it, it has sort of an odor, um, and I've I've he. He gets it about maybe every six months, and what I have some, uh, oh, Zymox, is that what it's called? Um, it's uh, eardrops that I put in, I uh, mm-hmm. got it from the vets, and, and um, you know, it clears it up right away, but I was wondering if there was anything that I could do that would kind of um, prevent it from coming back. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'd say the the two first things that I would say is that the most common problems with ear infections are that we just don't quite do everything we can to handle those. So the Uh first thing that I would say is that we always want to make sure we treat aggressively. So sometimes that might mean more than just a topical. 
and um, it's hard to know in your doggy's particular situation, but um, I'm a real fan of taking a sample of the goo in the ears, looking at uh-huh. under the microscope, and seeing what we got, because a lot of times we can have a double power, if you will, if we hit with a oral medication as well as putting drops in the ears, because if there's a lot of swelling or garbage in those ears, you know, drops can only sometimes take us so far. So that would be my first suggestion is really treat this aggressively. Find out if we need an antifungal orally, an antibiotic, sometimes steroids. I know we were just talking about that, but sometimes that can be helpful, um, especially if there's allergies that are playing a role. And then the other thing I'd say is uh, the number two problem we have with ear infections is that we don't treat long enough. Um, so yeah. I would encourage you when you're treating with that ear medicine to make sure you follow up with your veterinarian, have them stick that cone down that ear and give you the green light, the thumbs up that you're done and over and you've, you've treated effectively to the end of that infection. Cause what we see on the outside is only just a third of what's really going on deep in that ear canal. So as pet owners, we kind of look and say, ah, it looks good. We treated it, but it could still be brewing down there and that can go on weeks or even months. So, um, those would be my first two bits of advice for you there. Um, but beyond that, um, as far as staying on top of ear infections, you can do a lot. So say you did all that, you got the end of the ear infection, the vet says you're good to go. Um, what can you do from there? And a couple things. One would be I definitely like to use an ear wash product on a regular basis. And that that basically is what it sounds like. You squeeze it in the ears. It fills the ear canal. You massage and let him shake it, shake his ears afterwards, and you clean. And we use a wash because dogs' ears are really deep compared to ours, and it's hard uh-huh. to treat that inner ear canal all that way. So that would be one thing. And then the other thing is cocker spaniels, you know, ear infections can be related to allergies. So getting on a hypoallergenic diet might be one other way we can get ahead of a tendency towards ear infections. And there's a lot of different ways we can do that. But those would be some suggestions that I'd have for you there, Rick. Okay. I'd, I'd never, I didn't know about the ear wash. That was, that's a good one. And, um, yeah, he, he really has only had it a couple of times, but there, it's just been within the last year, and, and maybe that it didn't clear up completely. But it was about a six-month interval between when I noticed it. Uh-huh. So um, it, yeah. it seemed to be cleared up pretty good, you know. So. Yeah, well, get yourself armed with some regular cleaning agents and stay away from powders. If you talk to groomers, groomers want to sell you powders to put in the ear. Ugh, I hate them because all they do is cake yeah. up that ear with debris. So uh, talk to your veterinarian about a good just cleaning wash, one that will be a pH balance for the ear canal, and, and see if that gives you some help there. Thanks so right. much for your call, Rick. one 405 to talk to anyone on the Dream Team right now. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. When police rescued an African gray parrot from a Tokyo rooftop, they had no idea where he came from. The parrot spent a night at the police station and then was transferred to a nearby veterinary hospital. According to the police, the parrot hadn't said a word, but a couple days into his stay with the vet, he suddenly said, I'm Mr. Yosuke Nakamura. He then recited his full address and entertained the staff by singing some songs. The police checked the address and found Yusuke's very relieved family, who explained that they had been teaching the parrot his name and address for about two years, which sounds a lot more useful than Pollywanna Cracker. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals 
Should eat a pH balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So, does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with canine caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. I'm betting that by now you have seen the video taken on the set of the movie A Dog's Purpose. Or if you haven't seen the video, you're aware of it, but you probably just chose not to watch it. Uh, it shows a trainer appearing to force a German shepherd into rough, really turbulent water. And, and it's actually in a pool because, you know, it's on a movie set. And as you can imagine, it has a lot of people questioning exactly what are the rules for animal safety on film sets? Well, Amblin Entertainment is defending its treatment of animals on movie sets, saying they, quote, followed rigorous protocols to foster an ethical and safe environment for the animals in the movie. The statement adds that Hercules, the German shepherd who was in the video, had several days to rehearse that stunt, and when he became apprehensive on the day of shooting, and for some unknown reason to them, they don't know why he reacted the way he did, or that's what they're saying, But the production team, they say, quote, did not proceed with filming. And they continue that today Hercules is happy and healthy. Well, this controversy sparked by that video has led the public to question exactly what it means when movies make that claim that says that no animals were harmed during the making of the movie. Well, how do they get to say that? It begins with the American Humane Association's Film and Television Unit, which is responsible for providing protection for animals that are on TV and movie sets. Now, to get the certification that no animals were harmed, a list of more than 500 guidelines have to be followed, while a certified animal safety rep who has gone through some extensive training on all of this needs to be on this site at all times to oversee those scenes involving animals. And then the movie or TV show gets the no animals were harmed in the making of this movie seal of approval in the credits after a final screening by the American Humane Association and double-checking with the animal rep who was on site for confirmation. That's it. Sounds pretty simple. And you think that would be enough, but in response to that video that was leaked from the set featuring Hercules, the AHA has placed the representative who was responsible for overseeing the film. They put him on administrative leave, and they are now bringing in a third party to investigate the events that were shown on the video. Uh, The AHA also says that when Hercules showed signs of resistance to jumping in that water, because it really was rough, I mean, picture yourself like whitewater rafting, Uh, They say that the scene should have been stopped. Everything, you know, just halted. Uh, Finally, People Magazine did a story on this subject, and a senior staff attorney with the Animal Legal Defense Fund told them that while the AHA guidelines represent humane standards of care overall, 
its power, she says, is mostly hollow and very limited in how it can really protect animals. And the reason that is, is because there are no federal laws in place to protect animal actors. Instead, the legal protection of animals in film is really controlled by the animal cruelty laws of the state where the filming is taking place. Okay, can can you just get off the soapbox just for a second so I can get on the soapbox? Is that okay? Yeah, just move over there. This is crazy. Sure. I want to make sure everybody understands this. The American Humane Association, an organization that uh, is supposedly speaking out in the welfare of our, our animals, goes onto the set and they certify whether a movie gets this uh, claim at the end that no animals were harmed. And I think one thing you failed to mention is that they get paid for this. And from what I've heard, about $50,000. Yeah, quite a bit of To do that. Money, yes. So, wait, wait, really? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. So it is in the best interest of the organization to obviously uh, give the film an accreditation. Now, this isn't the first time this has happened, at least as far as I know, the second time that this has happened in the last five years. Uh, Dustin Hoffman HBO series. You remember that, Judy? Oh, yes. Uh, they gave the approval for, and it turns out one of the horses was indeed harmed during that filming. So I guess the question is, they're bringing in a third party right now to do an investigation. Shouldn't they always bring in a third party? Why is the organization that's getting paid <laughs> to give the accreditation, why are they... <clears throat> they're playing with house money. Yeah, their representative that's but, on the set should be the one who, I mean, that's their uh, job. And if they were doing a good job, they would say, you know, hey, cut the filming. This is not I right. And something. then they would report all those problems. Okay, I'm going to get off so that, uh, that uh, Joy I, I can get on the soapbox. I just want to add one thing that, 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 I, that I will say. When we did the two years of Grimma Has It, we, oh, we had someone on set, okay, and they were extremely strict. It wasn't, and then again, you know, we were reality television, so I don't know how much was actually being paid to the person. It might not have been, even been paid at all because, you know, they didn't have the budget that, um, you know, big film had. But this person, or these people, because it was, it was actually a few people, we didn't always have the same person, were extremely strict on anything, and a lot of times, questioning the set where i was like okay you know what that really wasn't wasn't all that bad um so you know i'm 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 hoping i'm actually hoping that maybe we are a little bit wrong and we have someone there looking for the pet's own well-being but i agree with you guys you know what there should be an extra set of eyes there you know watching it because you know when money's involved so are you saying joey that there should be two people with watching this instead of just the one that's being paid to be there I think there should be two people that that are there, absolutely. But I do want to say that, I mean, the ones that were working on our set um, really, really looked at the pet's well-being. Um, They, you you know, to the point where where you thought it was a little over-strict, which is fine, which is fine, because at least um, the ones that, that that were on our set were taken care of, but... Um, that's all I wanted to say. Well, you know, there shouldn't be money in the pocket of the person that's making the decision whether or not it's no humane or not. You know, it should be either a third party that doesn't have any financial interest in it whatsoever. They're they're monitoring their own. Income. Yeah, that's craziness. Anyway, thank you for reporting that. I do appreciate it. It's a very serious story. And you know what? These are the only two that I know of. There may have been many incidents that we just simply don't know of. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what this whole thing has happened. And we're going to talk more about it in the news next hour. But it's all happened because this video leaked from the set. I believe it was leaked to TMZ. Yeah. And it just is everywhere. And I know that we have all seen the video. 
and it really is difficult to watch because at the, you know, you see the handler just push the dog, Hercules, into the water, and it is really rough. It, I don't know, from my estimation, looking at the, the video, it looks like the, the waves are maybe like a foot or foot and a half, two feet high. And then he is kind of swept away in this water, but he was he thrown in there. against his will, expressing fear. Yeah. Then he's swept away, and he goes underwater. And the and divers who were in the pool for safety reasons had to go and get him. But the the director at that point yells "cut," and the film is goes black. Oh, let's uh, post that video, that TMZ video, over at the website so listeners can see that. Good idea. Now, um, do we have any time left? Yes, we do. Now, when you hear the words heart disease, you think of humans. But, you know, heart disease is really a problem for animals, too. Unlike most dogs with heart disease, however, most cats with heart disease will show no symptoms. They're not going to have a cough. They won't be lethargic and no, uh, you know, loss of appetite. But in the midst of a cardiac crisis for a cat, it really is much like a human having a heart attack, very much the same. You will see these cats having labored breathing, pale gums. They'll become very weak, experience severe pain. They may even cry out. And the cat may even have numbness in its limbs, like what would happen or can happen for humans who have a heart attack. According to a number of different studies, about 16% of all apparently healthy cats have heart disease, but Maine Coons and Ragdoll cats have a genetic mutation that they can inherit, which predisposes them to heart disease. So be sure to ask your vet about that. Finally, there is a cat named Oreo C. Collins who lives in Macon, Georgia. And he successfully, Oreo the cat, yes, successfully earned a high school diploma from Jefferson High School Online. (laughs) Oreo's owner is uh, Kevin Collins. He's the president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Central Georgia. And he admits, uh, you know, I might have helped Oreo take the test and write the (laughs) life experience essay required for graduation, but he swears that Oreo was on his lap and present the whole time. Oreo, by the way, with all of his smartness, is really highlighting what needs some improvement in our country. Apparently, Oreo got his diploma as a way to highlight fraud in online degree programs. Oh. The difference here. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just write down your cat's name and the, the difference is, is that a real GED diploma, uh, requires someone to take that test in person. So, I guess the bottom line that Oreo is trying to help you with is if you think you're going to get a GED online, don't do it. <laughs> Thank you, Oreo. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. 
When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear-free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Hi, this is Elaine Boozler on Animal Radio. Stay new to your pets and some of your exes. <laughs> <laughs> Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And as a youngster, I didn't really have a lot of education that would lead to a, a good job. <laughs> that's why you're in radio, huh? So you, yeah, so you got into radio. So, so that's why I'm doing this. Uh, I could do this, or I could deliver pizza, unlike Dr. Debbie, who went to many, many years of medical school to learn how to be a veterinarian. Uh, this next gentleman, he has a background in military intelligence and law enforcement, which is perfect for his job as an editor at Cracked.com. <laughs> and we welcome E. Reed Ross to the show. Hi, how are you doing? What should I call you? Well, uh, you could call me E or Mr. E or E. Esquire. It's not up to you, really. How about E? Let's do E. That's fine. Okay. So now you, uh, you work over at uh, Cracked. You're an editor over there. And you have a brand new book out called Nature is the Worst, 500 Reasons You'll Never Want to Go Outside Again. I do. I got to tell you, one of those books that comes across our desk, I didn't even need to look inside it. The title was enough. I said, (laughs) book this guy, get him on the show. Why is nature so bad? Well, it depends where you are and what you're involved in, I suppose. But there's plenty out there to be afraid of. You don't have to be arachnophobic or afraid of the deep water. There's definitely... A lot there to be terrified of, and I thought I'd compile 500 of them. <laughs> I'm frightened to go outside already. So what are the common things that you would think uh, are pretty benign, but we should actually be frightened of? Uh, plants, I would say, and fungus more than anything. Like there's a, I would never suppose there was a type of thorn bush that could kill you just by walking past it. I mean, everyone supposes, you know, the sharks will be the ones that get you when you're traveling into foreign countries, but if you're in New Zealand and just go off the nature path for 10 seconds, you could, you know, be quivering to your quick death just by brushing up against some stupid bush. Really? A bush that could kill you, huh? Yes, indeed. What about uh, the animals? I look at, like, for instance, prairie dogs. So cute, so adorable, their little heads popping up out of their holes. They they couldn't be bad at all, could they? Oh, they're murderous bastards. They can kill uh, baby squirrels. Uh, well, you know, they're, they're competing over uh, space to live and whatnot, which makes sense. But uh, it, it really brings it home when they're murdering a baby squirrel when you're looking out over the vista, scenic vista. It uh, can ruin your uh, visit to uh, the Grand Tetons or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of which, my visit to the Grand Tetons, I always like to do a little fishing for that uh, herring fish. I'm supposing that's a pretty benign animal. Oh, well, they're, they're benign, but they're very vocal, which is nice. But the, most of their communication, it turns out, comes directly from their ass. They, uh, they communicate via farts. They can signal what you know, how they all move in unison, and it's amazing to watch the shimmer and how uh, they move this way and that. Well, they're coordinating all that by via, like, the, the uh, signals they give to one another through their buttholes. Wow. Wow. That's, mm. uh, uh, it left Hal speechless. I don't know what I'll think about fishing anymore. <laughs> I'm yeah, my wife like it if I was speechless in that manner. Tell us about some of the uh, the trees and plants that uh, can actually consume animals. 
Oh, well, it's not so much that they're growing legs and rampaging the countryside, uh, mauling livestock. It's more of a slow process. Being plants, you know, everything is a lot, lot slower than we'd expect from animals. But uh, one can, is actually capable of eating sheep. The way it does it is it uh, was able to trap it, and it's quite on purpose. It's not just a, uh, a, a thorny bush that it gets trapped in back. The bushes are doing this on purpose. So when they have larger animals die, they just soak up the nutrients from where their corpse lands. Wow. Wow. That's that's pretty impressive. Judy wears contact lenses over here. I always tell her that she's, you know, that's, why not just get a pair of glasses? Are there any other reasons why she should probably stay away from contact lenses? I, I don't want to know. <laughs> well, you know, there's a, bacteria is, you know, something you're going to want to use Perel, Perel at all times just to avoid it. But it's not just the ones that get on your hands that can make give you a stomach bug or whatnot. There's one that actually specifically targets your eyeball and will work on its way underneath your contact lens. And if left unchecked, will devour your eyeball right out. There you go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to some of these animals now. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm afraid of moving to Florida because of alligators, crocodiles, and stuff. And crocodiles can actually climb a tree? That's a recent discovery, yes. Uh, they are able to shimmy up a tree. For what purpose, we can only assume is horrible. But uh, in addition to this, I don't think it was mentioned in the book, they've also been known to uh, set traps, which sounds bizarre for a reptile. But the trap is their mouth. But what they do is they put little sticks and stuff that are perfect for nest building right at the bottom of their jaws and open them wide and wait for a bird to say, hey, it'll take something that would uh, make some uh, good fixing for oh, my nest sneaky. and land right there and kaboom. How does uh, one get all this information? <laughs> oh, I've been practicing for the last five years. I've uh, been writing articles on horrible nature since 2011. I had a lot to work with to begin with. And apart from that, just familiar, familiarize myself with like zoological charts. And uh, I have to give a shout-out to the featured creature, a girl named uh, Carly runs this blog. That's a fantastic source of information for me. But they're just, just hard, good old-fashioned digging. I'm going to go ahead and give away 10 copies of the book. It's a great book. Nature is the worst. 500 reasons you'll never want to go outside again. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, you want to head on over to Amazon.com or your local bookstore and ask for Nature is the Worst. It's one of those books you just can't put down. You don't want to know, but it's like a car wreck. you just got to keep reading. <laughs> e, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Folks, good talking to you. Well, this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It's always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet optimal health visit them over at redbarninc.com thank you so much red barn for underwriting animal radio uh, we're going to head back to the phones for your calls toll free 1-866-405-8405 you're listening to animal radio if you missed any part of today's show visit us at animalradio.com or download the animal radio app for iphone and android i am the family dog and it's that time of year again the one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio. 
featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Oh, very excited this hour. We're going to talk to the uh, the guardian of Rambo, the pet alligator uh, that you reported on at least, uh, I think, two or three weeks ago, this alligator in Florida who dresses up in clothing. Uh, we heard the story from you. We figured we got to get them on the air. I love that story. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, wanted to learn more story. about it. Have you ever treated an alligator at your clinic there, Dr. Debbie? I never have. I, I've seen some individuals bring in baby caimans. Um, caiman? What's a caiman? Caiman yeah. is kind of in the alligator family. Um, but the individual that had them didn't really have a permit to have it. So I, I can't really say a whole lot about it other than I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did not virtually treat it. Um, but yeah, so I can't say that really crosses into my line of work in the Las Vegas area, but I'm sure in, um, in Florida and in the, the southeast of the U.S., that's actually not an uncommon thing to yeah. see these guys around. Well, gators are pretty popular in the, uh, the Everglades area and in Florida there. So apparently this one, uh, the state wanted her to get rid of it because apparently you can't have alligators. As a pet. It was illegal. A... She didn't have enough property. Okay. I don't know what the deal is, but we're going to find out in just a few minutes why she dresses this alligator up and all that. Yeah, I, that's kind I, of I can't weird, imagine. Huh? I, I would, you know, I, I have trouble enough sometimes with boss getting him, give me your leg. Come on, give me, give me your leg, please. <laughs> or he doesn't want to get dressed. And I can only imagine a little bit of objection from an alligator. Yeah, um, I don't know if I would want to, you know, if he, if he objected, I'd say, okay, he doesn't need to wear anything. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah, Ladybug, when I put, as soon as I put the shirt over her head, she picks her leg up and puts it in the, both sleeves. She likes it. One at a time. I don't even have to put the sleeves on her. She just sticks her paws in the sleeves automatically. I think she recognizes she the does. adulation she gets. Yes, she loves wearing clothes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so if you have questions about your cats, dogs, or alligators, toll free 1-866-405-8405. Uh, for Dr. Debbie, or grooming questions, if you need to figure out how to groom your alligator, uh, Joey can help you with that, the very <laughs> same phone number. Lori, what are you working on this hour? Well, we got a story about some uh, wayward raccoons who have since been relocated, but these guys were so big, they were like the size of three or four bowling balls. E- <laughs> enormous raccoons. And we'll tell you how they got that way. Raccoons and alligators only here on Animal Radio. Hi, Randy. Hi, how are you guys doing? Doing good. What's going on with your corgi? Well, I was out walking, uh, Bridget, the other day, and uh, a fella came up and started talking to me about the herding class dogs, and Mm -hmm. he said that I should be aware that there is a gene mutation called the MDR1 gene mutation, and Mm -hmm. I was wondering if Dr. Debbie would know anything about that. Yeah, um, certainly, and it is a a type of genetic... uh, problem that we do see in, primarily in the herding breeds, and I don't believe that the corgi is actually one of the breeds that we've seen this in, um, but it, it does surprisingly show up in mixed breeds, so it is something for people to be aware of. Um, the MDR1 gene is basically a, a mutation in a gene that helps to process different drugs and kind of uh, excrete them out of the brain area. Um, when they don't have this proper uh, gene in action, we can see drug toxicities causing neurologic problems and in worst case scenarios, even death. So it is something we need to be really aware of. Um, Australian shepherds, border collies, uh, collies, uh, there are even some German shepherds um, that have this type of gene, um, shelties, all of the kind of um, herding breeds. Um, and I do know that there was a little hubbub going around in the corgi breed before with concerns that they had this and it really hasn't been documented um 
the lab that tests for the, this gene is actually uh, Washington State. And uh, even on their website, they have a list of uh, different breeds that this has been found in. And Corgi is certainly not on that list at this time. But it is, like I said, it's important for all pet owners to really be aware of because when you prescribe drugs, you know, you want to do things safely. So um, we want to make sure that we know that there are certain drugs that some pets cannot tolerate. Um, and the drugs we kind of talk about with this, this MDR1 gene tend to be things like ivermectin, um, which is a very common um, heartworm medication. Um, it's also uh, used to treat problems like skin mites and some other kind of skin conditions. So um, it's usually not a problem for the, the heartworm dose uh, of the ivermectin, but more so for the, uh, the mite problems. But other things like uh, sedatives, um, Imodium is a problem for these breeds. So it's pretty widespread. And in fact, I think three out of four collies have this mutant gene. So it is something to be aware of and have screened for. Now, were you having concerns with your corgi in particular, or are you just kind of checking the, the hype that was going around the, the dog park? <laughs> I was, I was trying, just checking the hype at the dog park because it just, you know, he, he came up with that and I'm going, well, he said ivermectin. I go, well, that's exactly what, uh, what Bridget is on is, is, is uh-huh. ivermectin based mm-hmm. stuff. And he said, be very careful with that. And I'm going, holy cow, you know, maybe I should go ahead and, and get her tested. Yeah. Now, in, in even some of the different resources, those, these labs that test for this gene, it, it has been extensively tested. And the doses that have, are used in the regular monthly heartworm preventatives of ivermectin are not a problem for the herding breeds, even those with this gene. So it's not something to create mass panic about, um, but to be aware of. Because, um, you know, I've had dogs, uh, German Shepherds, where I've uh, put them under for anesthesia. Um, and, boy, they wouldn't wake up at the end of the day. And... And they were very excessively sedated, and there are some tranquilizers that we use for anesthesia that it would have been great to know that this dog had this gene, so I could have altered the dosage of this and let that doggy, you know, not sleep over in the hospital that night and be able to walk home easily. Um, so, yeah, it, it is something to really be aware of, And uh, but I think you're probably okay, um, you know, but share that certainly with your friends that have um, herding breeds or mixed breeds, you know, and this is, might be a great reason why we do genetic testing. Find out what breed your dog is because this is a condition that if your dog is a mixed breed herding breed, you know, we really ought to be testing for this, um, especially before we use certain drugs. So, Thank you so much for your call, Randy. That brings up a a very great point that a lot of people really just uh, need to hear about. So we appreciate your call. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Lisa. Hello, how are you doing? Doing good. Where are you calling from? California, Montebello, California. Montebello. Okay. Well, you're on with the good doctor here, Dr. Debbie. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing super. What kind of pet uh, question do you have here today? I have a cocker um, terrier. Okay. uh, He's about 14. 14 years. He'll be 15. Okay. He's a senior fella then, huh? Yes, he is. He's a senior. And um, I was just... Curious because okay, he already lost his eyesight in one eye, and then uh, he has um, a cataract in the other eye. You think okay. it's a good idea if I operate him? Um, well, I mean, he is a bit up there in the years. Did these cataracts come on all of a sudden, or were they gradually? I guess gradually, but you know, the doctor never told me the vet. You know, when I when I took him, I said, "Well, it looks like if he has a a cataract starting in this eye," and. Uh, mm-hmm. 
He says, uh, does he bump himself in places or whatever? I go, yes, he does at times. And so I just, he never told me to go to a specialist or nothing. And, and then when I mm -hmm. took him, it was already too late because the, the specialist, uh, she told me that, you know, that is, I was already scratching all that. And, you know, she could really not do much. Just give me some eye drops and some ointment. And that was it. So now yeah. I see his eye, now I see his eyes getting, well, it's getting white already. Okay. Is that bad? Does, does it get smelly? Because I don't have no sense of smell, so I really don't well, know. It kind of depends on what we're talking about getting white, um, as far as, because dogs can have cataracts, which are a whitening of the lens inside the eye, but they can also have a white change on the outer surface of the eye, the cornea. Um, and we can see that um, as well, especially in cocker spaniels. They can get some corneal disease as they get older. Um, so, I, you know, I guess it's hard for me to say in that situation, if unless our eyeballs can go up to the, the telephone and, and we could kind of uh, gauge things a little closer. But I would say that cataracts, yes, in an older pet, they can be addressed surgically. Um, but it is a decision that I really kind of look at the pet's overall health and also how they've coped with their vision loss. Um, if your pet was a eight-year-old dog, I would not hesitate to recommend the surgery because it's wonderful for restoring vision um, and it really can restore a lot of activity to a pet's life. At 14, I think we have to kind of really look at um, our overall longevity and his overall health right now um, because we know that Cocker Spaniels, the life expectancy, you're kind of getting up there. So before we put him through a major surgery like that, um, I would just want to make sure that he's in good health and that's really in his best interest. Um, and also, if the ophthalmologist looked at the eye and said there's no point in doing the surgery because the eye is non-visual, then there's no point in doing that. So um, that was the uh, left eye. Uh -huh. and now, now uh, the other, the right eye is the one that I see. You know, it's getting white. Oh, okay. Yeah, and if that's a recent change, then I would definitely have it at least checked out. Um, you know, if your veterinarian's not quite sure and can't tell what's going on, because sometimes it's a um, a lot harder to see in through these eyes that are very hazy, then you might have to set up that visit with the ophthalmologist where they can use their special um, instruments to look further back into the eye to see if, you know, if it's worth, um, worth the possibility. But I'd have to say, you know, 14 years of age, um, I would probably be focusing on making sure he's comfortable in those eyes, um, maybe rather than going for a full gun surgery to, to take cataracts out. Um, because sometimes cataracts can release proteins in the eyes that can cause pain and inflammation. And we may want to at least address that and try to make sure we're keeping his eyes comfortable and, uh, you know, maybe really think hard and long about that surgery. Because um, I'm just not a complete fan at your baby's age to do that. Potentially, I, you know, it's not so much that he's too old. I'm going to say that, you know, it just really do you want to put your great great grandfather through a heart bypass surgery when he's 95 years of age? Um, oh, you know, yeah. I want to just keep things realistic to what we're going to gain from that. And I don't know that you're going to gain a lot more good vision time with a baby who's already at 14. So, um, but I would still well, say go see and have that eye evaluated. I, I still think it's very important to make sure we treat for ongoing problems in there. Thanks for your call, Lisa. 1-866-405-8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live simply so that others may simply live. People say less is more. 
At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We are moments away from the guardian that owns Rambo the alligator. Or perhaps the alligator owns her. We'll find out. This isn't not just a, any regular alligator. This is an alligator that's uh, apparently being dressed up. And, in fact, here's a picture of Rambo during the uh, holiday seasons. Costumes that pretty? and clothing, yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll put those pictures over at our website at animalradio.pet. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? For all of you who have, uh, you know, a dog that likes to clear a coffee table, you know, like labs and, and things like that, pit bulls, you know, big old long tails, there's a new, brand new Guinness Book of World uh, Records, a new longest dog tail. Longest dog tail. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Any guesses? Anybody want to take a guess at what? I'm going to say, I was going to say a pit bull myself. Pit bull? They have some really long and just they do. really, they, they whip mm. the end of the tail, which is really narrow, but it, it can really uh, injure themselves and knock things off the tables. I was unaware of that. I didn't think of pit bulls as having yeah. long tails at all. In fact, mm. I kind of thought their tails were short. Yeah, but, I guess uh, they dock some of them or something. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, not usually. Usually they're long. Are they? Uh, well, mm-hmm. okay. it is not a pit bull. Apparently, no. okay. so it is not. So we'll have to stick mm-hmm. around and wait. Find out in just a few minutes. Of course. Also yeah. coming up, our Pet World Insider Robert Semro. What are you working on this week? You know, we just celebrated the birthday of the Seeing Eye Dogs here in America. So I thought I'd have some fun, share a little bit of information, and make it a list that we'd all remember. Celebrating the birthday of Seeing Eye Dogs. Yeah, the the birthday, January 29th, is when they opened the first seeing-eye dog school here in America. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it's it was quite a story. We did a PetX talk on it. Really amazing when you think about it really 80-plus years now, we have come a long way. So I want to make sure it keeps going, and I'm going to share that list with everybody. That's on the way with Robert Simro. Let's go to the phones for your calls first. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Paul. Hey, how's it going today? Good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Phoenix. Lovely Phoenix. Is it beautiful, awesome. Phoenix. Is, is it beautiful today? Uh, not really too much. It's more... <laughs> It looks like doom gloom, if you're familiar with that. From the coast, yes, from L.A. (laughs) Country's doing some weird things. Anyway, I got the good doctor here, Dr. Debbie, to answer your vet medical questions. What's going on with your animals? Well, here's here's my question, is I have a undetermined aged Shih Tzu that we got from a rescue. And we know he's an old guy just just because. Because he tells uh, you, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, you could definitely tell there's Arthur kicking in and all that kind of stuff. Well, a couple of his friends are schnauzers, and they play with, you know, catch and fetch and all that kind of stuff. Well, I've been noticing his teeth falling out. Oh, gosh. Um, especially like his front ones, because I don't know about the schnauzer breed. I've never had one before, and so he'll get it, and he'll get a rag toy and just start shaking it like, 
you know, like other dogs do that he sees. And I've been noticing teeth falling out. Oh, my God. Get him to the vet, for goodness sakes. <laughs> we need to look inside this doggy's mouth. Has he had any kind of dental exam recently? He had, and they had said everything was cool, but that they told us that it was just a part of age. Uh, and I'm thinking, do I correlate it with the toys that he's not used to? And there's a whole bunch of things going on with this little guy. We, oh, we got him as a rescue. They actually, it was the day before they were going to put him down, and he had somehow gotten an eye injury, so he's, you know, can, the, old, the old joke, you know, the dog lucky missing an eye and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, he's actually missing an eye. So my oh. question to you is, after all that, are dogs teeth like human teeth? They get in pain and kind of give them like an aspirin, a baby aspirin, or take the pain away like wrap the cheese or something? Okay. Um, I'm going to stop with uh, the aspirin question first, and then I'm going to go back to the other part of that question. <laughs> um, aspirin. I do not give to animals. I really do not. Um, maybe decades ago, it was the only thing we had for pain in animals. And yeah. it, while it while it may help with the pain response, it can actually, and, and it's been proven, they, get, they gave aspirin to dogs that were perfectly healthy. And then they went in with a scope and looked at their stomach. And almost every animal that was given aspirin had some form of micro ulcers in their stomach. So there's so many safer things that we can give for pets that don't cause stomach ulceration and don't cause the problems with the kidneys that we can have with aspirin so nix that right away <laughs> and, and it definitely upsets me that a lot of people buy aspirin at pet, pet stores over the counter and they're giving this to their pets as a way to treat you know arthritis or chronic pain because it really is jeopardizing your pet uh, when there's so many more safer alternatives um, that can be directly given you know through uh, assistance with your veterinarian so that's part of the thing then I'll go back to the whole teeth thing now if any dog has teeth falling out and they're not a puppy and you know they're not, they're not losing those baby teeth teeth falling out means there's disease in the mouth so um, it is certainly possible that something like pulling on a toy might kind of put extra pressure on some tenuous teeth and pull those out but that means there's still disease in that mouth that led to that weakening of the tooth um, interface so I would say if they said they didn't see dental problems you know what we know (laughs) we know that even if we look at perfectly healthy teeth in many cases there's actually disease under the gum line so I would still say pick up that phone hey my dog lost some teeth, I want to get a dental exam and maybe get a cleaning if it's appropriate for your pet's health. Um, And then see about that because we don't want teeth falling out helter-skelter. He may need to, you know, if we intervene, we might be able to, you know, maybe clean the teeth. Maybe there's some diseased ones we can take out and save the teeth that are adjacent to that. Um, So that would be all what I would be kind of focusing on that mouth. And uh, unless his, you know, brother or sister dogs are popping him in the mouth with some kind of baseball and knocking those teeth out, um, then I'm going to say it's probably bad teeth in there. We need to get a look. Six-second review starts now. Without being exploitive, Patriot's Day is a solid, visceral, and occasionally riveting thriller. The men Just because you don't have time to read a book doesn't mean you can't enjoy stories about artists and groups that you love. To discover a whole new world of audiobooks and hear the stories that made the music, visit HappylandAudio.com. That's HappylandAudio.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. 
Fear Free takes a pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Uh, the Scottish activist group known as Animal Concern is officially asking the four main cinema chains in the United Kingdom not to screen the now controversial film A Dog's Purpose, which is due for release in the UK. I think it's April 21st. Now, footage, you know, has emerged showing one of the canine stars of the movie, a German shepherd named Hercules, being treated cruelly after he failed to dive into a tank of turbulent water while they were filming. The obviously terrified Hercules is then eventually thrown into that pool of water by his handler. Hercules quickly gets into difficulty in the water. It's pretty difficult to watch. If you haven't seen it, uh, we understand why. Now, when the current kind of pulls him under in that pool of water, there are divers outside who are there for safety who go and try to find Hercules because he's actually underwater and you cannot see him. And at that point in the video, the director yells, cut. So that leaked footage, by the way, does not show Hercules being rescued. But the makers of the film say he was pulled to safety and is happy and healthy today. But the controversy does continue. And it looks like it likely will for a long time now. Mm -hmm. It's a horrible thing. It was hard to watch. I agree. I mean, if it were your dog, I mean, I would have been, wow. It was I wouldn't put watch. my dog through that, though. That's the thing. Right. I mean, no, nobody exactly. would consciously do that to an animal that they loved or they cared about. And it, that's what makes it hard to see. Yeah. And for those of you that just tuned in that weren't here for last hour, and we were talking about this last hour, the American Humane Association gets about 50 k to go out on a set and certify it, accredit it for being no animals were harmed. And this has happened several times where they have gone out there. They've given the the accreditation, but animals were indeed harmed. This one, not so bad as the first one that I know of, which was uh, on the uh, HBO Dustin Hoffman series. They actually pulled the series for a while. Again, the AHA getting 50 grand to say whether or not it works or not. I think the money shouldn't be in their pockets. You don't want someone giving accreditation that's making or has a financial interest in it. But uh, there you go. We'd love to hear what you think. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Some other news. Uh, A colony of raccoons. You might have heard about them that became famous for devouring junk food behind a Louisiana grocery store. They have been successfully relocated. They were known as the Winn-Dixie Colony, named after the grocery store, where they regularly devoured uh, junk food, sweet snacks that were actually left out for feral cats. There's a little more to it than that. I'll explain. The story goes that nearby residents had begun feeding the raccoon those raccoons, rather those sweet treats, trying to prevent them from eating the food that was left out for the feral cats. Now, when the cat caretakers fed them the junk food, apparently it kept the raccoons contained to their separate area so that those feral cats got a chance to eat. Otherwise, the raccoons got most of it. Animal control officers monitored the situation. They reported seeing more than 30 raccoons that they say were at least 30 to 40 pounds each. Is that a raccoon or is that like four bowling balls? That's huge. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, after Ohio passed legislation recently making bestiality a felony, Kentucky was left as one of the few remaining states where it is not criminal to have sex with an animal. Hmm. I know. Sorry about this, but, you know, keeping you up to date. 
Now the state house in Kentucky has introduced Bill 143, which would ban the sexual assault of a pet dog or cat. But it does not address any concern for other kinds of animals. They say that is in order to avoid antagonizing hunters or farmers, which traditionally don't uh, support other kinds of yeah humane legislation. Finally, this will make you smile. A dog in Belgium has earned himself a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the world's longest tail. He's an Irish wolfhound named Keon. He gets the honor. His tail is 30.2 inches long. What? And that's wow. from the tip of the bone to the, or rather from the top of the bone to the tip of the tail. And that doesn't include, you know, the longerish hair that sticks out at the end of that tail. So it just goes from, you know, bone to bone. 30.2 inches, according wow. to the Guinness Book of World Records. Keon's tail best the previous record holder for longest tail on a dog by 1.7 inches. What kind of dog is he? He's an Irish wolfhound. Mm. He's the biggest a, dog uh, out there. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he can clear a coffee table in zero That's what I was flat. thinking. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine a tail almost a yard long on oh, a lab? No, man. thank you. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, Five Things Everyone Should Know About Seeing Eye Dogs. We just recently celebrated the birthday of the first school for seeing eye dogs in America. The school was opened by Dorothy Eustace on January 29, 1929. She had been contacted by a blind person named Morris Frank after his family read an article about the dog training she was doing in Germany for blinded veterans of World War I. Their remarkable story and what it has led to has become an inspiration for many, including myself. So much so that when we created our PetX Talk series, that was one of the first PetX Talks we did. To celebrate the school's birthday and the incredible amount of people they've impacted, I thought I'd share five things everyone should know about seeing eye dogs. To begin with, it takes nearly 18 months of training to go from puppy to guide dog, and not every dog that starts the program will become a certified guide dog. Some estimates are that as many as 20% of the trainees do not pass as they're not proficient enough in critical skills that are essential for the safety and well-being of the guide dog and its person. When Morris Frank and his seeing-eye dog Buddy the First walked across West Street in Manhattan, he kicked open the doors of acceptance and also possibilities. Remember, back in 1928, seeing-eye dogs were not only non-existent, but there were no laws that required them to be allowed to go where humans go. Fortunately, Morris made it his mission to change minds and laws, and today seeing eye dogs have laws that allow them to access where people go. Three of the most popular breeds that are trained to be seeing eye dogs should be no surprise. 
Golden Retrievers, Labrador Retrievers, and German Shepherds. These breeds are well known to be fiercely loyal dogs who are extremely intelligent and calm under pressure. As important, they're great companions and loving dogs who are devoted to their human. One of the more interesting things that a seeing-eye dog is trained to do is to refuse a command if it's unsafe for the dog or the human. This is critically important, especially at busy streets, when the human is putting absolute faith in the dog to guide both of them to safety. A typical career span for a seeing-eye dog is 7 to 10 years. This might not seem like a long time, but when you add in the training time and the 24-7 vigilance, it's a lifetime. Most seeing-eye dogs are retired to adoptive families so that a new seeing-eye dog can work with the human without distraction. Seeing-eye dogs, as well as most working dogs, are so inspiring by their selfless nature, they live to serve and care for those around them. When you think about all that they're tasked with, it's no wonder these dogs are often referred to as four-legged heroes. Share your experiences with seeing-eye dogs on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Hey, Jeannie. I got the doctor here, Dr. Debbie. What's going on? Hi. Hi. I am owned by a cat who is oh, 10 years at old. At least you can admit it. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> he has me very well trained. I walk on my end of the leash. It works really well for us. Um, he drools more than the basset hounds I've owned in my life. Oh, and in I what don't situations? Know if this is a normal thing, because it seems to be getting that he drools more than he used to. So, what context? When is he doing this drooling behavior? When he's happy, when he's being petted and purring and it just sits and drips <laughs> off of him and then he slobbers it all over the place just like a DOG does. Oh, yes, yes. So, <laughs> if this behavior is happening when he's in a content emotional state, we kind of call these guys happy droolers. And um, in most cases, it's a completely normal response. It's just a parasympathetic response that they have when they're in a happy place. Um, okay. To, to stop it, I don't know. He's a happy guy. This is his way of telling you. That I guess the challenge I would have it would be that, you know, if you wake up and you've got a big spittle of drool about to fall on your face, it would remind me of me and my yeah. brother when we were kids and you try to spit on each other. Yeah. So some other concerns we have with excessive drooling are nausea, uh, dental disease, and like respiratory infections, things like that. And if you haven't had his teeth looked at recently, I would encourage it because we can see a problem called root lesions, uh, which are basically the closest thing would be like cavities in humans where cats can get these holes in the enamel of their teeth and that can cause some pain and uh, other issues going on. So that could potentially uh, lead to more drooling than we might uh, tend to see or, you know, other causes of tummy upset okay um, but you know i'd say if if we tend to do this only in those situations when he's happy uh you, you just got a drooler on your uh <laughs> your hands and you're gonna need yeah, a bib I just continue to tell him i love him drooly right <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> geico presents unanswerable questions why are yawns contagious what makes some ketchup fancy or the big one why doesn't everyone switch to Geico when they could save 15% or more on car insurance? However, you could be a part of the answer by switching to Geico and saving hundreds for yourself. Money you could use to purchase bottle after bottle of the fanciest of ketchups. 
Geico, the answer to savings. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You found it. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. The toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405. We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. You might remember Lori Brooks, our news director, reported a few weeks back about a young lady in Florida who gets to keep her alligator. Pet alligator. Pet alligator. Yeah. Oh, the one who dresses up the alligator because it's got pale skin? It's got some kind of skin problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We actually have her on the phone. We have Mary Thorne, and uh, I'm sure Rambo is nearby. Hi, Mary. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? Very good. Thank you. So now, uh, first of all, congratulations on being able to keep your pet alligator. How long have you had Rambo? I've had Rambo for 11 years. He'll uh, had him since he was four years old. How did he end up in your life? Um, I got him and five others in a 10-gallon tank. They had been in a closet for the first four years of their life. And it was a dark closet, so they didn't get sun. All they could do was rock back and forth. Now, did someone just drop this tank off? Yeah, it was dropped off at where I was doing an alligator show. So you have plenty of experience with alligators then, prior to to, to Rambo? Oh, yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I guess they're fairly common there in Florida, huh? Definitely. Every ditch, every pond, every lake. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you dress Rambo up. How long have you been doing that? Well, we had to find a way to keep him from getting sunburned. So I was just sitting around one day, and I, I saw these scraps, and I made them into an outfit for him, which covered his skin. Oh, wait a minute. So, I, alligators are outside. They get sunburn? I didn't know alligators could get sunburn. Well, Rambo was in that closet for four years of the dark. Oh. oh. So the sun does not take the sun at all. In fact, uh, two of the five that I had died of sun exposure. Hmm. Oh, wow. wow. Did uh, Rambo uh, perform, I guess? He was a performer? Uh, Rambo sits on props. It's called Propting. Okay. And he takes pictures with people. He's no longer allowed to do that. Oh. Is there a we big... really don't know why because, you know, he's never had an aggressive moment in his whole life. <laughs> well, so what was Florida trying to do? They were trying to say that you can't have Rambo as a pet? Well, in Florida, they uh, have a law that you have to have 2.5 acres to have an alligator over four foot. Ah. And you, you don't have that so... la- land? I don't have that kind of land, and he was sun-sensitive, so the 2.5 acres is not going to benefit him in the least. Is that why uh, Florida decided to allow you to keep Rambo? Um, I think it was, uh, I provided him a vet letter that said, you know, that a couple of them died from sun exposure and that he was definitely allergic to the sun. So where does Rambo now live and where does he sleep? Rambo has his own bedroom, (laughs) and he has his own pool in his bedroom, and he has a regular bed, and he also has his own refrigerator and TV. Would you probably say that he's the only alligator in America to have (laughs) his own bed and refrigerator and TV? (laughs) Maybe to have all three, but there are different people that I've seen in the media that let their alligators lay on their couches and stuff. Do you have any other animals? Yes, I do. do. I have five dogs. Two possums and a squirrel at the current moment. And <laughs> usually all the neighborhood people, when they find an animal that's been harmed or something, like our squirrels that fall out of nests, they end up on my 
uh, hanging on my fence and and things that you know. And I come out and I got a new animal. <laughs> now, do you have to keep them separate from Rambo, or does everybody get along? No, everybody gets along. Rambo was treated like a puppy. So he does what my dogs do. He doesn't mess with the squirrel. No, he doesn't mess with the squirrel. Now, you said he's 11. How? What is his life expectancy? Yeah. How long do you expect him to live? Alligators can live 100 years in captivity and about 35 in the wild. Whoa. Do you recommend uh, alligators as pets? No, I don't, because I'd rather see them in their natural habitat than having the life that Rambo lives. Yeah. i got to tell you, he looks uh, pretty... <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of him on the ATV with a uh, Santa costume on, or Santa clothes. Does he like being dressed up? He loves his outfit. (laughs) He likes to dress up for Halloween. He likes to dress during the daytime. In fact, if he doesn't have his clothes on, he just mopes around. If you put his clothes on, he's normal. (laughs) Wow. Do they... uh... Do they know that uh, everybody's looking at them with the clothes on? I mean, do they? For instance, like I have uh, Ladybug, our studio stunt dog. She loves to get dressed up because she knows that everybody's looking at her and she gets a lot the of attention. attention. Yeah. Is that the same with Rambo? I believe so because since he's been taken away from the public, he sort of moats. But we still got a couple of kids that are doing um, therapy with him. They sit and tell him his prob- their problems and why they can't get along with people. Really? And he just sits there and listens to them. So he's a therapy gator. He's a service gator. (laughs) I love my Rambo and I love my gators. All of them were different and special in their own way because the other ones that were in the pond with him, they dressed in clothes too. Do you have a website where people can learn more, visit, see pictures? Country Country Gator Theater. Country Gator Theater. Uh, one more time, Country Gator Theater at uh, at what? At Facebook, Facebook.com. Okay, we'll put all this information over at AnimalRadio.com so people can learn more about Rambo. Please go give Rambo a big old hug from all of us. Leah? I sure will. Thank you for inviting me on. It's time for us to get on out of here. Thanks for joining us today. If you need to get your fix during the week, visit us over at AnimalRadio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. It is a free download. And be sure to check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. She has them uh, for the Yorkshire Terrier, Shih Tzu, Pug, and Mini Schnauzer. It's a Kindle book over at Amazon.com. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Enjoy your weekend. This is Animal Radio Network.